Hello, listeners. Merry Christmas. We don't have a new episode today, but we can't leave you empty-handed. So what you're listening to, this episode, is an episode we recorded earlier in the year uh, for our Patreon feed with the amazing Ben Elwood. Such a great uh, episode. We think you're going to absolutely love it. And if you do, feel free to subscribe to our Patreon to get episodes like this every fortnight on top of the regular feed. So go and do that. Also, if you are uh, in Newcastle on the 6th of January next year, 2024, uh, I'm doing my show, uh, Don't We Look Stupid, at the Newcastle Comedy Club. So come down to that. It's at 6 o'clock. It's a lot of fun. It's going to be great. Um, so please, please buy tickets. They're going to be on my Instagram, Whitebed Online, or you can just search Newcastle Comedy Club as well. Um, and yeah, on behalf of me and the other two nerd birds, um, have a great Christmas and New Year's. And we'll uh, catch you guys again in 2024. Cheers, guys. Hello, patrons. We're back with bonus episodes of Community Notice Board. Thank you so much for subscribing to the bonus tier. We release bonus apps fortnightly on Thursday. So thank you for the support. Fucking this is a good one. Our first guest for the Patreon era for a, for a subject we've been chomping at the bit to get to. Oh, you to. haven't covered this yet? No, no. We, right. Because like, we, we yeah. tried, I think, pretty consciously out of the gate to, like, in our suburb episodes, like, discuss comedy if it comes up, but, like, let's not get into minutiae of sign-up sheets and fucking <laughs> stupid <laughs> gossip of, like, people that people don't know. Yeah. And, then, and then it relaxes, and by episode 40, you throw it out a, oh, and, like, Andrew Hastings over sure. here. Yeah. And then, like... Like, and then you get a few stories. And uh, there are obviously, like, you travel to suburbs. There are going to be stories about people doing gigs, uh, like regional gigs yeah, that yeah, come yeah. through. But we haven't really got much into the weeds of Sydney comedy. We've all got a lot of experience in it. It fucking, there's a lot of stories, a lot mm-hmm. of rooms, a lot of history of rooms, a lot of burnt bridges, a lot of gossip, a lot of backbiting. <laughs> and who better to start with than <laughs> the king of burnt bridges? <laughs> Ben Elwood's back with us, baby. Hi, everyone. This is like that episode of The Simpsons where you get the background on, like, the sea captain. Yeah. Like, they've shown up in the background, but now it's time to really get to know I don't know how much of this, like, you welcomed or pushed off or, like, embraced. Because, like, when I started comedy in 2013, Mm. like, there were the... People that I hung out with and gravitated towards were like, yeah, the Ben Elwood's comedy dad. Like, it's like the same way that like people like have the, like when WTF was huge and people would like come on and be like, what? And he'd be like, what's your beef with me, man? People would be like, you want to fucking get up the back of the room and impress Elwood. I remember the very first time doing a set of mug and kettle and you being in the stairwell and you were like, good job. You were honest up there. <laughs> oh, and man, I was like, I got it. it. And then, like, yeah. And then people, like, you got You're it. Dude. It's like there. being invited. The audience to the were honest too. They did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the way you fucking melted yeah, down. Yeah, that's right, man. <laughs> I remember thinking, because I came from the outside, and I, when I moved here in 2017, I think you were on a break, or you weren't performing much. Well, because, happens a lot. But I was like, Always was like, man, Elwood's so intimidating. I'm scared of this guy. And then when I first moved here, I remember ha- like I had a dream once that it was just you and me hanging out and you like took me under your wing. <laughs> 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 oh, That's worth five bucks. Before. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa. Elwood had a nightmare as well. <laughs> exact same thing. Exact same thing happened. But Elwood's like, oh my God, what a horror. The, the irony is that there's nothing scary. Usually I was having some kind of fucking anxiety induced meltdown and just up the back with headphones on trying to avoid eye contact yeah. with everyone. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah. about fucking like, oh, I'm fucking better than everyone. <laughs> It's like, you know, just fucking yeah. don't look at me. I think the first time I saw you, Elwood, was a mug and kettle where you popped in. And I think you'd just come back from Melbourne. Mm. So I remember you doing a set about how shit your whole run was or something mm. like that. And you were just like, it was so funny. But I can't, And there was some bit about a um, a guy who heckled you. I can't really can't remember. But you just were like so like frazzled but it was like so engaging you know you remember mug and kettle like everyone's down the stairs yeah. like you could barely fit yeah. in there like the hate that for me was like because i walked into that like not doing comedy before and i'm like oh this is a scene like i feel like you don't have that anymore in sydney but that was like a real like a real electric that was just moment before right? the sign-up night started right well that mug and kettle was the sign-up night right? oh mug and kettle yeah sorry yeah. i think you meant power bomb yeah 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 yeah, yeah, no, right. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that was like just and i think that 
was like i think when i started it had been going for like six months or something mm, sure and it was like this the sign up night takeover which mm. i didn't really um appreciate because it was the only thing i knew but like everyone else would be like you guys have no idea what it was back in the day yeah. like a year ago when what you know there was two gigs a month or something what, like year, that, right? what year did you start in oh, sydney uh 2005 okay long like it was very different then. and so getting stage time is like you got to scrounge for stage time then, well or is it not not really because there weren't many comics mm -hmm. so like there was an established tier of people who worked quote unquote mm -hmm. and then there was like one person ever, like comedy was not like I, I think it's like the netflixification of stuff like once comedy became a genre on netflix mm -hmm. and there's probably more to it than that mm -hmm. but once it became like like it was a gutter trash art form for most of its history, I think. It was just this thing that happened in little rooms, people saying grubby shit. Mm. The people that loved it really loved it, but they're freaks. Yeah. Mm. And it wasn't part of mainstream culture. There'd be the odd comic that the mainstream knew about, whether it's like Richard Pryor or whatever. Mm. But even like people that mean a lot to comics, like, you know, when Bill Hicks was in the zeitgeist in like whatever, the 2010s? Yeah. When he was like really in the zeitgeist. He was only in the zeitgeist with people that knew Bill Hicks. You yeah, know? He wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like my mum's walking around knowing who. No, he never <laughs> sitcom yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, most exactly most people's conception of stand up was like Jerry Seinfeld or. There used to be a stand up. Now, like yeah. you know what I mean? Like he's a sitcom star, and his background was this thing else. This other thing he did, right? It wasn't like that's right. I yeah. think comedy was something to transcend. Yeah, mm. like comedy yep. was something you did to get. A, a panel show appearance sure. or, you know, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I think in the last few years comedy is, like I think part of the reason I don't enjoy it as much anymore is the kind of saturation of it and then I think when the bucket list night started it was suddenly this influx of so many people being like you know hey I, I'm funny at work I'll give it a go everyone's yeah. been telling me I'm a comedian yeah. um, but in 2005 it was th there was a new person every couple of months like it just wasn't and it was like an event yeah like it was like fucking <laughs> let's watch this fucking fresh meat get carved oh, <laughs> yeah, it was like really wild to watch someone new it was like fucking yeah. you know have you like this person's first gig so it was crazy because i remember when i was starting and it was so nerve-wracking but like no one would have noticed like oh look the new guy ever because it's like you know what i mean there's probably 50 new 50 guys, or i didn't maybe this guy's been doing it for three weeks four like, imagine if the spotlight was on you yeah, and everyone yeah. else's. Like oh, and, like, literally everyone would, like, crowd at the back to watch, like, this person get carved up. Yeah. Or, you know, do, do well, well or whatever. Go, but, okay, like, yeah. so there was – it was pretty intimidating to walk into – so the friend in hand was big then, like, one of the – that was, like, a tiered room that you knew you'd been doing it for long enough or you'd impressed enough people or whatever to even get a spot there. Yeah. But I remember the first time doing it, it was like, fuck, like, this is scary. Because yeah. there's no – like there was everyone up here and then you were kind of entry level coming in trying mm. to impress everyone or make a name or whatever it was. Mm. But I was really lucky in that I worked at the comedy store as a bar guy starting in 2004. Mm. And so I got to know a lot of comics like Greg Fleet and people like that um, off stage, not as a comic asking for advice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's when me and Nick Sun became really close friends mm. And so back then the comedy store would do open mic Tuesdays, which if you did well, you would get a 10 minute spot at new comic Wednesdays. And if you did well at that, after a few months, you got split supports on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So that's the system we came up in. Is this mm. Parramatta road era comedy store? No, more park. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. been around that long. Yeah. All right. And so we were just super lucky in that the guy that ran the comedy store back then was like a super fan of comedy. Mm. And so it wasn't, it's very much now like, you know, oh, we timed your seven and three quarter minute set and we noticed in minute five, <laughs> one of your jokes only made half of the audience laugh. Yeah. Banned. Like, yeah. like Pete Blacklock and Mick that used to run the store, like you could get up and have a psychotic breakdown. And if they thought it was funny, they're like, yeah, yeah see yeah. you tomorrow. Like it was this yeah. real kind of cultivation <laughs> yeah. of- That's what you need. Like you, uh, you to build a scene, bit. to build a club. Like, um, you know, say what you want about it for various reasons, but the owner of the comedy cellar 
has <laughs> has that mentality. Yeah. He's and he's been there since two thousand three or something, and he's yeah. just like, yeah, I put on comics I like because I like them. It doesn't matter whatever else is swirling around them. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. He'll put Chappelle on. Yeah, and the audience should be challenged like why awesome. should the audience spend the whole time just like <laughs> <laughs> like why can't and it's what you remember right like because i've among kettle you think of all those sets and some people would crush and you couldn't remember it like you'd never remember it right but someone would say a joke or something it would just level you and you remember it 10 like years later totally. right and I it's like also you I mean, if you told me, like, name, like, five jokes from Mug and Kettle that, like, changed your life, I'd struggle to think of three. But if you said, name ten freak shows that totally. set you remember, oh. I'd be like, all right, I remember Michael Middlemiss doing Stop the Boats Tony. It was a song that was uh, rock the boat, don't rock the boat, but it was Stop the Boats, don't stop the boats, Tony. And I was like, <laughs> That's pretty good, But I remember, like, having a cigarette out Outside before I, this is like three gigs, and he, Michael Mid was a very friendly, like older gay gentleman. He was like, "I'm working on something. It's gonna be good tonight." <laughs> and like, but he'd just go up and oh talk God, to that's you. Right, yeah. that guy. He'd just go up and talk to you. He was the friendliest guy, uh. and I was like, "This will be awesome." I went up and he did that, just bombed to silence, <laughs> and I was like, "Man, like this is." This is so cool. You know, like, that, you know that fucking feeling where you're sitting there and it's like something's happening? Yeah. yeah. Like it's, something's really happening. Yeah. <laughs> We're not just sitting here like, ha, 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 yeah. ha, ha, ha. Like I want to tell everyone. I can't wait to tell everyone. Man, th- one of my favorite Monkello stories, I didn't even see what happened, but what um, we're out the back and Chris Keery comes running down the <laughs> stairs and he's running and he's going to us in this corner and he says, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And he's about to tell a story and then he looks over his shoulder and this comic is following him and he goes oh nothing like like and then the guy comes up and to chris and he goes oh they didn't like my fisting joke (laughs) (laughs) and we all just we put it all together like oh my god God." we're just sitting there patiently while chris is talking to this guy like yeah i guess and then waiting for him to go and then and then the joke was um that chris told us later that the guy did a joke like it was all his other stuff i can't remember what but what the fisting joke was a guy goes you know they say one in the pink one in the stink, I say one in the pink, five in the stink. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I just remember thinking like that, that the look on Chris's face running down the stairs and coming at us, I was, I was so, that's what I remember. He was yeah. so excited to tell us also, what we just like, meant. Yeah. not a guy that shows like that pure excitement. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Something like, watching Chris. someone run down the stairs yeah. like it's Christmas, you're just like, oh, this is going to be fucking You're right great. though, you're right. Like- that's, I mean, the, the the trick is people don't want to pay, drive all the way from Parramatta to the comedy store, pay $30 to watch craziness. Mm. So you got to be like, okay, we you got to find a middle ground between like just having freaks on stage that we're all dying at. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, can't yeah, believe yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Remember, um, oh, fuck, what was his name? There was a guy there and he was literally just a cult comic. Um, John, Ronnie, uh, uh, fucking... And he would just rant all the time. I'll have to think of it. Jimbo. Jimbo. Yeah, you guys yeah, remember yeah, Jimbo? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, oh, Jimbo's here. All the comics would watch because it was like going to be insane. No, I don't. I swear, not a single person who wasn't a comic ever cracked a smile. But it was hilarious <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. to us. Yeah, yeah, and it was yeah, yeah. our little like treat, you know, yeah, yeah. in amongst it all. I think, I think in the past there was this, you know, this feeling that you could at least have a couple of the, those oh, sure. on a lineup. And even if everything turned to shit, you know, the lineup's stacked enough that we'll pull it away, we'll pull it out and we'll make it a good totally. show. MC's like, oh, I don't know about that, but then you move on, you know, right? This, I think now it's, I don't know, I don't know, I think it's a combination of like, you know, comedy being like a mainstream product and then you've got people who um, aren't fans coming for a night out and so they expect a certain level of quality, for a bang for their buck, you know, and they don't want to, and also I just think people are increasingly incapable of sitting with discomfort. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. like mm-hmm. discomfort used to be such a, and, and like, I'm so mindful of not being old man ranting about back in my day, it was better, blah, blah, blah. Things just change. That's inevitable. But discomfort, the, an element of discomfort was always a part of every show. Yeah. Always someone would tank or mm. someone would be a fucking freak or whatever it was and for my money i the shows i've you know like you just said about the comics you remember the shows that i remember the most are the shows where there was some tonal variance it wasn't just 
you know, ha 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 the Set whole way through. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's like, oh, do you remember when it was? And you know that moment where fucking everyone's having a great time, and then someone comes out and it's like, oh shit, like everything's gone really wrong everything's mm. fucked but then when someone comes out and saves it like the laugh that comes off the yeah. back of that oh. is so profound yes you know what i mean the relief 100 yeah. oh my god yeah, we're back and oh, i yeah. know man like I, yeah. I don't know if you heard that there was a meltdown at the um at the roast battle uh at the comedy store yeah i, I, don't, I don't really want to go into it because i'm scared of that guy but uh, one of the most psychotic things i've ever seen on stage this guy <laughs> you were on stage right you're you like on the judge foot from him yeah. uh and it was a great night everyone was crushing and then he came out i don't know if he was on meth i don't know what was going on but he was having a fucking meltdown and he started screaming and ranting and people were terrified and I was terrified, but inside I'm like, this is so good. <laughs> it's fucking Saturday night at the comedy store and 300 people are freaking out. Yeah. And then he was evicted off stage and then uh, I think it was Fatty and Henning came out. Yep. Uh, and they reset in the space of five seconds mm -hmm. and their first laugh, it shattered the fucking roof down. Because yeah. it was like, it wasn't just what they were saying was funny. It was, we're back. Yeah. You know? oh, thank God. Everything's going to be good. Yeah, everything's yeah. going to be okay. Yeah, 100%. And That's there's got to be a little bit of that. And, you know, not to, again, get back in my day myself, but like stand-up being consumed now, it's pure, it's like more or less reels, Instagram oh, reels. And so you only get, a, you get 30 seconds of a big pop of a laugh. And so, and then you get another comic and, and there's no like, experience of being in the room which is what stand-up should be like yeah, it's, yeah, it's always got to be the moment in the room. The most one of the most uncomfortable i've ever been is watching steve hughes and some of the hardest laughs ever i did saw his spot he did it um this and i'm not going to do or even allude to some of the bits but they're pretty crook mm -hmm. but then he would just use that to fucking then the joke was actually very clever and just released all that tension. But I was sitting like, oh, fuck, Steve, stop talking about fucking, you know, female circumcision, please. And he was yeah. really saying a lot of crook stuff. But then the thing was like fucking just a release. And yeah, if that was a real, you'd fucking go. Yeah, but yeah, you're forced yeah, yeah. to be in that room. Yeah. You can't leave. Yeah. And it's so, you know, that that's how it works. Can I right? tell you two of the funniest things Steve Hughes has ever done that I've seen? <laughs> mm. This, I mean, I love him. And, like, he's a very, very good comic. I hope he's well. Mm. I saw him once at the comedy store. Uh, I took a date there. Uh, and when I had started comedy as well, bad idea. Never yeah, do that. that is start. a rookie mistake. Mm. Yeah, yeah, never do it. You weren't uh, doing a spot, though, right? No, no. Bad oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but I watched Steve Hughes masterfully, like, just blow past the light. Like, could do a... <laughs> <laughs> One of the best. At, uh, 20, 20 minutes there with seven minutes. The light's flashing the whole time, but he's just like, all right, everyone, name a country. And someone would be like, uh, Kazakhstan. He'd spin a three-minute yarn that was funnier than, like, most yeah, of the rest yeah, of the sets. Yeah, yeah. Then I see him about six months later at a venue called Terrace Comedy, which is in King's Cross. Yep. Um, it was a night where it was not in the regular room. It was upstairs, which is always like a bit of a ball egg because it's harder to get the audience up there or whatever. This particular night, Steve Hughes was probably not doing as well mentally. He'd come and uh, people were, but like the comics were still kind of buzzing. They're like, fuck it, Steve Hughes yeah, is man. here. It's going to be sick. And like there was only an audience of like 15, 20 people. And I remember one comic who I'm not going to name, like kept coming up to me. He was not on the lineup and he was like, so Steve Hughes is on. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I can't wait to see him. And he was like, and you're uh, directly after him. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. And he was like, <laughs> was like, are you nervous? I was like, uh. no, nah, it's just a lot. And he was like, because I can uh, ask to go on, like, before you. To like take the heat, and I was like, "But you're not on the lineup." And he's like, "Yeah, but I can ask." And I was like, "Don't fucking worry about it." Oh, what a yuck! That's so I'll gross. Tell you who it is after. Yeah, please. But uh, but then I watched Steve Hughes, and he's uh, got like this guy who's like peripheral to the comedy scene. He's been around. Uh, I think he used to do sound at the store oh, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he like he drove him there, and so Steve Hughes goes up, and it's like it's a King's Cross crowd on a Sunday, so it's like girls in party dresses <laughs> and like people who've been fucking like <laughs> people up for a good time drinking and shit. Steve Hughes fucking walks seventy five percent of the audience, yeah. uh, like he's just ranting, like he's and he's trying new shit, and some of it's really funny, and yeah. so, but some of it is very spiteful and hurtful yes. and he's saying he's acknowledging that he's not in a good place right now and the guy who drove him there is sitting there having a beer having a good old time and then eventually he just go he looks at him and he goes 
Josh, finish your beer. We're done. <laughs> he just watched Josh skull this beer, get up, and then he took Steve Hughes back home. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. like, yeah, I had to follow that. And but, but, but that upon like half the audience was like, you that the thing of getting the big release of getting it back to that level. I, yeah, I got to experience that, and it was well, very just, fun. I'm just to seeing do. a fucking like, you know, how often do you get to see a guy have a, a psychotic breakdown? In yeah, yeah. club atmosphere. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Steve, Steve said the funniest thing. Well, one time I was at the comedy lounge. And it was just as the kind of audience pearl clutching had started that era where they were freaking out about stuff very vocally. Mm. It wasn't offensive. It's like you haven't even heard the end of the sentence yeah. and you've decided. Sure. Uh, and, and this group of people just started yelling at me that I was racist and all this stuff. I was like, what the fuck? Um, and I kept trying to go on. It was just like the whole show was being derailed. They were just wouldn't stop fucking talking. And the room runner walks past the stage and a little bit too loudly. And I was never fully forgave him for this, but looks at me and just goes, just get on with it like that. <laughs> and I hear Steve from the back of the room goes, how the fuck can he get on with it? He's painting a picture and the wind just blew the fucking canvas away. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's so good. Um, speaking of uh, pushing buttons and all that, because a big part of Sydney comedy history that maybe has kind of been lost in the ether, but yeah. like I want to ask you about Fuck Club. Sure. Because you're a big part yeah. of that. Yeah. Like, uh, you, and it's some of the craziest stories. Some people it has irreparably damaged. Andrew Hastings. <laughs> <laughs> Hastings had a very special relationship with it. He was like the... The sacrificial lamb of every show. Yeah, that was, that was and he spot. was like, this was like some classic Hastings stuff. There, he tried to suck his own dick on stage. <laughs> yeah, that's when the show really jumped the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Season three. Yeah. But I mean, like, what's yeah, the history the, of it, man? Yeah, like, like, like I'd love to know what you you came to some of the Roxbury shows, right? Uh, did you? I'd never been. I, I never did the, went. I did I did the reboot at Chippo, and I was petrified because, like. Because I, I was good friends oh, with, yeah, like, Hastings and Rosie yeah. at that point, And they were like, fuck Club Elwood's going to fucking mess with you. And, like, all this shit's going to happen. And, like, there was some weird guy. There was a guy on, oh, man, what's his name? Like, Mr. Punch or something. Do you remember that guy? Uh, yeah, his name escapes me right yeah. now. But Mr. Punch, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He did, like, a and a session about, like, fisting yes, and stuff. Yes, and then yes. I'm coming on to a <laughs> Five pretty, <in> sting. <laughs> traditional stand-up. But, like, I, I had a lot of fun and it was great. But, like, I remember, like, they were... They were because, like, describe the show, because it was kind of like a no-holds-barred thing, right? It's so it's so hard to describe, because every time, every way you try to describe it just sounds so fucking, like, you know, yeah. it's fucking challenging the status quo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, sta it started in, like, fuck, it went for nearly 10 years. So it started in, like, 2006, I think, and it was... Originally, Nick Sun's idea of he's like, you know, I just want to run a show where we just kind of do whatever the fuck we want to do. Because, like, when me and Nick started doing stand-up, we, <laughs> we, were, we were very naughty. And, uh, <laughs> and we, you know, I think we thought we were being radicals but really we were just being fucking brats mm. uh and you know we were, i think it was exciting to the scene when we came along because at that stage stand-up was very kind of like i'm a bloke talking about my wife yeah. and blah, 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 mm -hmm. you know like it, it wasn't it, i don't like the term alternative but that element however you want to define it yep. hadn't really mm. come into Definitely not the Sydney scene. Yeah. Uh, and so I think when me and him started, we probably got more credit than we deserved just because we weren't trying to do anything different. We were just doing what made us laugh. Mm. And really it's because we loved people like Hicks and Stanhope and even early Marin. Um, and so, you know, I mean, not a lot of people these days know Nick, but Nick is, you know, the oh. most brilliant fucking yeah. comic yeah. All time. Like one, of the, one of the greats. Just one, like, you know, if Nick had been born in 1965 in America or London, he would be part of the Pantheon. Mm -hmm. Like, he is, he's the most comically brilliant person I've ever known. Uh, and so he was just incredible. And, you know, doing these just completely transgressive sets where 
you know, he would do material for 10 minutes and then spend the next five minutes just like writhing around on the ground, screaming like a pig (laughs) (laughs) while the Seinfeld theme played and just like, you know, and I was doing whatever I was doing, you know, spilling my guts out or yelling and abusing the audience and whatever it was. And so there was this like, I think this, I don't think we were doing anything new in the history of comedy, but it seemed new because- Refreshing for Sydney, right? exactly. Um, And so off the back of that, we got a lot of opportunities like, you know, Nick got the festival directors award and he got uh, taken to Edinburgh for, so you think you're funny. And it was just like Nick's, you know, there was the Nick's son buzz. And he won it, right? He, he won, won it. Edinburgh. Yeah. He won raw and Edinburgh. Mm. Uh, and then when I started like a year into it, I got comedy zone uh, and I was on triple J and there was all these just like, it was, you know, and I mentioned in a previous podcast, like, doesn't matter what opportunities you get if you're not mentally <laughs> ready to do stuff with yeah. them you fuck it up yeah, yeah sure. um and also the arrogance of youth you know like you just think I'm, I'm i'm i came out the gate i'm brilliant i'm getting given all this stuff the stuff will never stop coming to me yeah but eventually after a while when you're just self-destructing and <laughs> self-immolating it's like people <laughs> are like well this guy's fucking hard work yeah. um and so we nick really wanted to start a room where we were just could just fucking cut loose and do what we wanted to do without the fear of offending the room runner or blah, 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 blah. Uh, and so it just started as this kind of chaos night um, that really had no structural elements to it. It was just people getting on stage and doing weird shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then our friend Jane Grimley, who is one of the great, performance artists of all time became part of the little collective and she would do stuff where she would fill pint glasses with piss and scold them on stage or <laughs> fucking That's like, your material, <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you got? Like, real, real, like, you know, but I mean, there was always a point to it. There was always a, re- a raison d'etre behind what she was doing. It wasn't just, but you know, the, repu- the, the reputation of the room became like, that is a fucking disgusting room where yeah. awful things happen. And was there the God and Mike of, Mike of the God, voice, of, voice God. of God, was that always there or that came later? So, so things started evolving. Like, so um, we ran it for a lot of years and at first it was just monthly, and it was really just a purge. It was like this monthly yeah. purge, you know, and it started getting a reputation. Mostly I would say because of Jane, like one of her early performances, <laughs> she got everyone in the audience to sit in, like got all the chairs in the room into a big circle and everyone had to sit opposite someone they didn't know and stared deeply into their eyes, like a Marina Abramovic kind of thing. Uh, and she's like, I'm going to be on stage doing something, but you can't look at me. Otherwise, I'll stop what I'm doing. And so everyone's like looking at each other's eyes and everyone's all giddy and uncomfortable because it's really stressful looking mm-hmm. at someone and blah, blah, blah. And I'm the only person that can see what she's doing because I'm operating the sound desk. But she's, and I'm playing, I think we were playing Meatloaf, so I will do anything for love. <laughs> and she's on stage and she's wearing Australian flag bikini and just hitches her panties to one side and just starts shitting all over the stage. (laughs) 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 And like the permeating stench of fresh shit is like going through the room. (laughs) But no one's noticing because they're all so overwhelmed with the, you know, the the confrontation of staring at another human being. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. And meanwhile, three feet from them, this chick's shitting everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And and then eventually like the song ends and she's like, okay, you can say, and they're all like giddy and laughing. And then suddenly they're all like, oh, what the fuck? And then the room just clear, like a cartoon, like people leaving steam trails. (laughs) And so stuff like that. And so back to that thing we were talking about with like having to be in the room, Mm. the people that would come to fuck club, they, uh, they got it. They got what it actually was, but everyone else that never came was just like, you guys are fucked. Like, yeah, what the yeah, fuck are you doing? You'd hear that and you go, oh, what a crazy yeah, yeah, thing, like, right? Yeah, they're all there. just trying to be fucking provocative. And, you know, there was a bit of that as well. We were, you know, we were still in our 20s and stuff. Um, and then slowly, slowly elements started getting introduced. So um, if you, for people that don't even know what I'm talking about, the show was basically, it was like a cabaret slash the Muppet show slash Hey Hey It's Saturday <laughs> like variety show it <laughs> wasn't just stand up it was shit. shit and piss yeah. uh, and uh, it was a beautiful little room like black box square room if anyone in the audience spoke you could hear it so everyone was accountable for what they did or what they said we could control the lighting 
We could control the entire atmosphere of the room through sound cues, through music. There was a beautiful red curtain, elevated stage, <coughs> and slowly elements got introduced. So there was a voice of God mic, which was just... It was just John Blackman from Hey Hey. So <laughs> that's all it was. Yeah. It was just a mic up the back of the room where either me or Nick Kappa or whoever would just slide in with little snide comments yeah. or just commentate. Um, and then Jane would sit in the audience as kind of the X Factor who would just suddenly wander onto stage midway through someone's performance and do something weird. Or we had whole soundscapes like the – you know, someone would tell a horrible story about how their mum tried to kill themselves and during the lull, as everyone's processing, we'd play the Curb Your Enthusiasm music <laughs> or whatever it was. Yeah, like, I remember, <laughs> I think I did it twice and this was obviously much later. I think it was a little, like, towards the end of its life. I remember that, like, when people did, like, stand-up, stand-up, but that, like, you thought was too obvious, you would softly play the Seinfeld, Seinfeld music <laughs> underneath. Yeah. And I remember so many confused... And I was so pleased with my set because I didn't get it once. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, or we'd play the Requiem for a Dream music. Yeah. And I said something once and the audience went, ooh, and you yelled at them on my behalf, which I really... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's like... So, so basically, after a while, after a few years, it built into this crazy cult status like we were we were having so we went weekly and it was like me nick kappa jane blake was involved a few others ash rodney rodney todd um and we just had the show down to this well-oiled controlled chaos so we knew exactly how to run the show so it seemed like this is fucking mental mm. but there were so many things in place to allow that to happen yeah uh, and you know, the crowd was there every week and you know, there was like 70, 80 people every week and mm -hmm. like, and, and they were the, the smartest crowd cause the show was fucked, but it was the, it was that beautiful thing of everyone knowing what the motivation was. Yep. So even if something awful was said, it was, if it was said in the right way, yeah. Yeah. you know, like there was a, there, like me and Ash would have this running joke where I would, he would be say horrific things about me being a Jew and I'd say a horrific thing about him being a um, Fijian Indian. And that, it was just the most, I, I, wanted, like, I couldn't repeat it out of context. Yeah. It, was so, yeah. it was so horrific, the shit we were saying to each other. And people would be roaring and clapping. And, yeah. and then one day there was a slight lull and this guy in the audience yells out, Ash likes curry. And it was the most benign thing that had been said. But on a dime, the whole crowd was like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. You're Come fucked. Because it was just like he's trying to take a shit there, <laughs> and you're abusing the bloke. <laughs> but it was so you know. I think yeah. Everyone, it, everyone knew you can. It's hard to explain and describe, but everyone knew when it was good natured versus it was just like yeah, or a you're chance just being to, lazy, yeah, or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. And I think the room had a reputation of like you have to come there and do something crazy, and it wasn't that at all. It, the, the the unofficial rule of the room was like just be truthful. Yeah, like even if you're doing. Like even if you're wearing a mask, like be just be honest. Don't try and bamboozle the audience with some fakery. Mm. Like no one ever really. The people that would die were the people that tried to get. Like there's a Brisbane comic who says that he's a great improviser, and he got up and just started trying to do public transport material, and the crowd literally just started booing. <laughs> uh, and he had a free. He was the only person in the whole history of the room that were freaked out and stormed off stage. But it was like you're not dying because you're doing public transport material. You're dying because you're you've watched the whole show and you're not, yeah, you're not being truthful. You're not yeah. being, you're not being present and yeah. you're not being here. My experience when people were like, they'll punish you if you're not wacky. I was like, no, no, no dude, they'll bullshit. punish you if you're lazy. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Or like if, if you rest on your laurels or you're fake or like whatever, or you're too like, I, like, like hacky's bullshit because like you could be very hacky and very funny or something. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I feel like, like the audience also knew if you were doing something that wasn't too genuine, they'd turn on you. Yeah. But also, it wasn't about punishing people. It was about going, you're better than that. Mm. Yeah. Like, it was never it yeah. was never malicious. Just it was, not rewarding them, right? Yeah, it was, it was just going like, eh, that sucks. Yeah. What else you got? Like, yeah. you know, and, and we would also really encourage, like, come with a plan, but be prepared to ditch the plan should something happen. So, yeah. like, it was the only show where everything would influence everything else. Mm. You know, so often in comedy, they're like, anything could happen. It's like, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Whereas this show, it was like, often a running gag would start in the first half that would then carry through the entire show and evolve. Like there was, uh, there was a show where 
David, people would come at the beginning of the show with like USB sticks for sound cues and music cues and rah, rah. And Dave Eastgate showed up and he was like, I've, he's closing the show. And he's like, I've got a music cue, put it in your computer. I'll cue you when I need it. Uh, and right before he went on, there were two comics doing like a improv sketch thing. And they were terrible. <laughs> uh, and one of them goes, can I have a chair from the audience? And all of a sudden the chair just goes <laughs> like pinwheels through the fucking air and like slams against the curtain. And on cue, everyone in the audience just starts pegging their chairs on stage. <laughs> and then it, suddenly the whole, the, the, the three-seater couch is on stage and there's this mountain of chairs and couches and they continue doing their sketch while this is happening. They didn't break. It was brilliant. But the mountain of chairs is there and then Eastgate runs up to me and he's like, forget the sound cue, I'm doing something else. And he gets on stage and does an entire recreation in miniature of Les Miserables using the chairs as the barricades. <laughs> like, but, you know, had, had the thing, had yeah. they not sucked yeah. as the yeah. sketch group, this thing wouldn't have happened, which would have, you know, and it was the most brilliant ending to a show That's because great. it was spontaneous and it just happened. Yeah, and with it. Oh, Tell man. me about the time, because this is an infamous one about when uh, the Australian Got Talent guy. Were you, do you know, was it, wasn't there a... I'm pretty sure this is fuck Oh, up. Jordan Paris. Yeah. yeah. Was that fuck up? <laughs> yeah, it was fuck up. Okay. Yeah, Jordan Paris was a guy who had, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, he was on Australia's Got Talent and he stole jokes. Yeah. Yep. And it became a big And Carl Sanderlands was like, I, I don't understand oh, why, he, you know, yeah. he, he does them good. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So this is years before that. So JP became famous, or famous, <laughs> whatever, Australian famous through Australian Idol. Yeah, okay. It was some sort of thing. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then he would come to Fuck Club and he was terrible. So this, so the Fuck Club thing happened before he was on TV? Oh, years before. Oh, wow. Years before. Okay, yeah. cool. Right. And so he, he was like a very sweet guy, but pretty thick and really unfunny. But And that's where the maliciousness of the room would sometimes come in. Because like yeah. he was terrible, but everyone loved how terrible he was. So as soon as he'd enter the room... The crowd are like, JP, JP, <laughs> JP, JP. And he didn't understand it was ironic. Yeah. And he was like so happy and pumped up. And so we would put him on whenever he wanted. There was some people that were just on. If they wanted to be on, you're on. Uh, and he was on whenever he wanted to be on. And it's not even a story. Fucking Blake Mitchell showed up for some reason in Heath Ledger Joker makeup. <laughs> <laughs> And halfway through JP's set, took to the stage like a Viking berserker, swinging a TV <laughs> above his head through the power cord like it was a mace, just <laughs> screaming, uh, and then lunged at JP with a pair of scissors. It looked like he was going to stab him, but he wasn't. It was all... Anyway, JP had a complete meltdown. There's some great photos of it of him... Like, I think there's a video of the TV thing. Yeah, 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 I there think is. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... Um, and then we had to have an intervention the following week for Blake where we got him on stage and the whole audience had to like counsel him as to why what he did was really <laughs> fucked and horrible. And we tried getting JP to come for the intervention, but he was like, oh, I'm never fucking coming back, mate. That was fucking terrifying. <laughs> but it was just like, that, it, like, it would go into these places where it was like, oh, that was too much, you know. Um, yeah. One, one of, the, one of the, the, like the, the craziest things I ever saw there was we did a reunion show uh, about five years ago and Jane calls me, she's going to perform and she calls me like a couple of weeks before and she's like, I've got a great idea for a, for a gig, a set. I'm going to invite a guy from Tinder. Oh, I know this Have story. you been to this? Were you at this one? No, no, but Look, I know one this story. This is the most fucked things yeah, I've yeah, ever yeah. seen. So she goes, I'm going to invite, a, I'm going to match with someone on Tinder and I'm going to bring them to the show as my date. And you're all going to pretend you don't, you never met me. Oh my. And Lord. like, I love Jane, but Jane is like a fucking feral cat. And men are like native birds. To yeah, like yeah. She right. has destroyed a lot of fucking people. Uh, and I was like, I don't feel good about this, Janie, at all. Like, this feels really nasty. And she's like, no, no, no trust me. It'll be really funny. Like, all right, like I, I trust you implicitly. Whatever you want to like, do it. So we're all setting up and there was always this giddiness in the hour before the show would start. Cause it's like, we like, what the fuck's going to happen tonight? Mm -hmm. Like we've got our performers, but we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and Jane arrives early and she's like, Hey, hey, like I'm meeting him in like 20 minutes. It's great. Like, it's going to be so fucking funny. 
and Cam Knight was emceeing and she's like, I've organised something with Cam. Like, it's going to be great. Uh, and I'm like, I've just got this sinking feeling of like, this is so bad. And she's like, no one knows me. No one knows me. Okay, okay. And so show's starting, crowd's coming in, great buzz. And she walks in with this guy and he's a big guy, pretty doughy, dirty. Uh-oh. Yeah. And she's just kind of like, you know, Hamming it up, but doing it in a pretty realistic way. Like, hey, I've like I've, I've heard a lot about this show, <laughs> and we're all like, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then fucking the show starts. Cam comes out, big fucking opener, rah rah rah. Uh, and then he's like, you know, is anyone in the audience on a date tonight? And she puts her hand oh, up, wow. and he's like, hey, you know, welcome. To, have you been to the show before? And she's like, no, no, my first time. And he's like, oh, well, here's, you know, here's some drink tickets, you know, go and get yourself a beer, you know, um, and we'll do a game show at the beginning of the second half. So they go downstairs and now Cam's like, okay, so most of you know that's Jane, but we don't know Jane tonight. She's on a Tinder, like explains the whole thing. And everyone's like, okay. uh, Knowing what Jane (laughs) Jane is. They come up, first half's great, second half starts and Cam's like, we're going to do a fucking... Love connection game show. So let's get that couple on. Yeah, oh, they get on stage. And uh, <laughs> even if this isn't a prank, this is horrible. You know what I mean? Even if she's genuine, I'm like, this it's ter- it's horrific. It's horrific. And so she's on stage, and I'm just like, fuck, 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 fuck. And she, they, they start doing a series of games, like getting to know you games, and it's getting increasingly nasty, like towards this guy like she's kind of undermining him in like fucked up ways but the audience is it's almost like a stanford prison experiment type yeah. situation mm. like the the audience is getting into it like at one point they're like cam's like you know oh so what's your spirit animal whatever his name is tim and tim is like on oh, an eagle and the pr- and like because he's this you know big fat guy everyone's like crying laughing <laughs> and, everyone's just like, and everyone's like eagle eagle oh, eagle no. and like t- this tim guy's like smiling but he's not really into it oh. and this like abject humiliation goes on for like 10 minutes and then finally they're like we're going to play our last game we're going to blindfold blindfold eagle and you need to describe exactly what jane looks like you know just based on your memory She's like, all right. So he puts the blindfold on and she strips completely naked. <laughs> and she's got, you've been fucked by fuck club written <laughs> on her tits. Oh my God. And like, everyone's like, like howling with love. Everyone's laughing and laughing. And then he takes the blindfold off and everyone's like, <laughs> and he starts crying. Oh, oh no. no. And he's just like, and like all of like the oxygen's like like sucked out of the fucking room, and yeah. it just goes like I've like I've never heard silence like this in my life. Like, and I'm at the back, just like fuck, like what the fuck is happening? And he just goes, "You fucking, you fucking assholes! Like, you think this is some fucking edgy? Fuck you! This is some edgy show? Like, you guys think you're fucking cool?" And like everyone's just sitting there with their heads down, like, "Oh god, oh god, oh god," and. One of our friends, Andy, who was at every show, like he starts yelling, like, you fucking assholes. And she just goes, you're right, baby. We are. We're fucked. We're fucking horrible. And he's like, what? You think that makes up for it? You fucking cunts. Like fucking bringing me out here, like humiliating me for fucking hours. Fuck you. And it's like, this is going on and on. And then he goes, what do you fucking want from me? What the fuck do you want? Is this what you want? And he tears his shirt open. And written on his tits is, you've been fucked by fucking. (laughs) (laughs) And then Jane points at me and goes, hit it. And I hit play. And this fucking song, I can't remember what the song was, but it was some big Broadway musical number. And they proceed to do a choreographed dance number that had obviously taken weeks to rehearse (laughs) together. And then just start like passionately making out. And the fucking relief. (laughs) <laughs> like that, that spread through the fucking like it was the, it was the greatest thing any of us ever seen in our lives. Like this rocks. double bluff, yeah, fucking, yeah. It was like crazy. Rule. It was so fucking good. So who yeah. was the guy? Just a- just some guy she met on like Star Now. <laughs> she like fucking roped him in, and they'd fucking planned Man. the whole thing. And they'd been at, like, and no been, one was in on it. No one, not even Cam was like, no one was in on it oh, except for her so and Joe. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, did you ever get a uh, pushback from the venue? Like if there's shit and nudity? No. 
Yeah, so that was the best thing. So we got away with it for so many years because the, the venue loved it. They were like, you know, it's our dirty little speakeasy was it, show. Was it Chipper? No, where was it originally? The Roxbury. It was um, originally Roxbury. Yeah, yeah, and so the reason that we were able to do it was because Craig that run the Roxbury was just like, whatever happens up there, I don't know anything about it. Yeah. And then our fate was sealed when the pub got sold to two born-again Christians from the Shire mm. who came in <laughs> and they were like, we're converting the pub, you know, like they're appealing to the uni students and we don't think that, da 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 and we had a meeting with them and they're like, we're, we don't mind you doing the show anymore, but you have to change the name. It can't be called Fuck Club because that's obscene. And we're just like, the show's been running for like a long time. It's the, and we kind of knew like the show's not going to lie. And they had a spy in the room. And about four weeks later, we were doing a show and a woman was on stage telling a story about how she'd been arrested at a climate protest and that the cops had put her in a male prison and, she, and no matter how much she protested that she was a woman, they didn't believe her. And she goes, well, if I'm not a woman, how could I do this? And pulled a bloody tampon out of her vagina Good and Lord. threw it into the audience. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the next morning I got a call going, you're fucking banned from, like you're banned from the venue. Um, which was, it was just, it was a disaster because the show had really like Daniel Kitson and Josie Long were coming and sitting in the audience. Like it was really really getting steam like it because i used to say to the team like they were just like how are we going to convince people that the show is not what they think it is and it's just like by doing the show and one by one we will convert people to realize that the show is fucking great yeah and that it isn't the sum of its controversies yeah 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 you know ballard was coming and doing it and hing was doing it a lot and like you know and like you know aaron chen we used to sneak aaron in when he was 15 years old to do that oyama did her first gigs at fuck club Cam James yeah. came up there. Jekyll you know? did some really Jekyll awesome stuff. Jekyll did some incredible there. stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Jazz Tremlau, fucking um, Raffi did gigs at the Roxbury. You know, like people yeah. that are really mm -hmm. like, you know, like they really, I'm not saying, oh, they fucking came up at Fuck Club, but they, you know, did stuff there. Yeah. And they were there a lot. Um, and so I negotiated with the pub. You can't just kick us out after all this time. Can we do one final show? And they were like, only if you hire a security guard to monitor the show in case anything horrible happens. I'm like, all right. So we- On to star now. Yeah. <laughs> so we got a security guard and I wanted him to dress in a toga and a laurel wreath and sit on the stage and do thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he wouldn't do it. Uh, and it was so funny. He was so hostile when I got there. He's just like, you know, he'd obviously been told this is fucked. And literally in the break, he comes up to me. He's like, dude, this is the best show I've ever seen. Like, why are they kicking you out? This is fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we, we obviously left. And we tried recreating it at the Imperial in Erskineville, but it was that room, it was that time. Yeah. It was that yeah. team. It was pre-phone, so people felt safe to really do stuff without feeling like it was going to end up on the internet. Yeah. Uh, and then luckily in 2015, the old owners took the pub over for six months and we were able to do a series of reunion shows, which kind of put a cap on the whole thing. Man. But it was a, it was a great time. And I, I wish that a show like that could exist now. I don't think yeah. it can. Not no. without a venue. Like, do you mean because comics would, I definitely think that like you would restrain yourself if someone was recording. Yeah. yeah recording. Is that what would kill it? Yeah. And I just think people are afraid now of being miscon. Like, you know, we were talking in an earlier podcast about, oh, you know, things people said in 2004 that would get, there was shit every fucking episode of Fuck Club that was like, this is horrific. Like, yeah. This is so horrific, you know. Totally. Sue, Sue Thomas would do her pornographic <laughs> stories. Yeah, with the, yeah. You know, and we'd be projecting, you know, X-rated porn behind her, you know, fucking people sucking cock and everyone was laughing and clapping. Like, yeah. it was the stuff now that all you'd need is one person. One person. Like, oh, that was fucking, I feel, like, yeah. it's just... You know, I mean, I, 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 I fucking love that's the, it's the, in comedy, it's the best thing I ever was part of. It was so fucking, so great. Like there were nights where I would stand at the back watching the show. And I would just start crying from like the joy of the comedy gods had come together and all these things were, had worked in unison to create this fucking thing that could, it could be no other way. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. was like, holy shit. Yeah. You know? Well, it's sort of in a way almost good that it ended like that because if it didn't, 
and you got sick of it and then passed it on and then it just would it would have watered down and then it would it be Simpsons season 30 absolutely, you know yeah, absolutely and yeah, like yeah. so it's almost I think like it, it's worst death would eventually just be like a show where there's a voice of God that's not very funny and you've cut every other subversive element out of it <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. occasionally like the MC is just like uh next yeah. <laughs> 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 like, oh, we fucking lost fuck club let's burn it yeah, yeah, yeah. well that, that's kind of what happened with the Imperial so like me and all the core team walked away and, and a few people took it over and it was dog shit and i you know it was like watching my baby get taken over by fucking lesser people <laughs> yeah so doing those reunion shows kind of it was the reclamation of it and then we were able to you know end yep. it in a in a, in a, a cap way. on it but if it, I, you know i think it'd be a great thing for comics coming up now to be in an environment that challenged them well even like a lesser extent of that i mean bringing a little bit back to modern kettle but like you could do that every week and be like you could bomb and do the craziest stuff, and next week you're getting on, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's a few sign-up open mics right now, but like, right, like if you go and do a semi-decent booked room and you take a risk and it doesn't work, you're not on for a while. Mm. You know, the, the mm-hmm. booker will go, ooh, totally. right? And so among Kettle, like I remember like Tristan Hayes would just – for weeks would not get anywhere, would bomb. But then eventually all the comics were like, this guy's so funny. Mm. And then, but it took him so a while to build. And then by the end, all the comics were watching him. But if it was like a no- normal room, he would have done badly three or four or five times. And then no one would have booked him yeah, again, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And there's no, like, there's not a I lot think, like, like the that. The beautiful thing about it is, because there are sign up room, like sign up and have rooms today, but they're, like a lot of people, are like yeah, it's just comics that go. Like the beautiful thing about Mon Kettle, that's right. Like, it was sign up; you could do whatever you want, and also an fifty audience, audience members. Sure, they, they yeah, wouldn't yeah, always, always stay till eleven thirty yeah, to what? Like yeah. by the very end, like the late nights, there were like maybe four or five left. But like if you're on in that first half, yeah. you are performing to a booked room mm, crowd yeah. for free, where you can do whatever. The fuck and it yeah. wasn't crazy. It wasn't like it was, you know. They were audience, it, but it it wasn't like you have to be crazy. But you could try a ri- have a risk or do something a little bit wacky or do. I remember like people would go up and do little a little planted, like someone in the audience is a plant sketch, and you just yeah, like yeah, devise yeah. it. I smell Ben Caution on that. Yeah, one. yeah. <laughs> Caution did that, one of Caution the funniest did a things GoPro ever. Thing. He had a GoPro yeah. on his head and he did a whole set with a GoPro on his head, and um and, and he's just doing silly bits, but it's so funny and dumb. Yeah, and yeah. then he's walking around with the GoPro on talking backstage and it's like yeah i mean it's just it'd be so great if that was available you know what i mean it doesn't have to there's also the famous there's the famous nick son open mic story i think where like he was mic'd up like he mic'd himself up Wireless but mic? he mic'd himself to the sound system and then after he did his set he just <laughs> rode a bike around the venue yeah cursing out the set and all yeah. the people were in the audience yeah. so it just pumped through for like 10 15 minutes and everyone i was i've heard this and you could see him like talking and then you see him through the window like going on a bike and he's just riding a bike around the block just talking just on the bike <laughs> so like, fucking good and it's so funny the people that condemn that shit and they're the same people that are like ooh, i wish i was alive in the LA in the 80s to watch Andy Kaufman read The Great Gatsby it's like get fucked yeah. you fucking hated it yeah. Yeah. Like, let's not it. pretend that you would have been on board with it you're only on board with it now because the zeitgeist has decided that was transgressive totally. and really yeah. fucking interesting yeah yeah, yeah absolutely Fuck, what a what a great history of fun oh, Ben you gotta come back on and do some more Sydney comedy mm-hmm. history episodes yeah. we'd love to have you on absolutely. there's so many there's so many Sorry, bridge waffle, burns waffle. and so many no, it's so other great man. things you're a part of and you're obviously such a funny knowledgeable guy so it'd be lovely to have you back anytime on. fellas awesome, uh, bud. thank you for listening thanks, and everyone. obviously listen to the main feed and yeah thanks for thanks for the five bucks tell your everyone. friends <laughs> yeah tell your friends we'll, uh, <laughs> five bucks <laughs> yeah yeah thanks we'll and yeah spread the word we'll tell be back everyone. in two weeks see you later thanks guys Bye-bye. bye